Lelo shafra deki sa salata kebelio volokomra shafata kistomo. Maido gavraso kapala shata kabalia testuba. Talindo kesete kabalash. Kalabrababa koprasha vlanto savala takele betus. Kevo vota talegeshe ketenamazos. Talebebe kobrasha ndalabate. Moli vrosa flasha takabalesu. You are faithful, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. 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 Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. We adore you, Lord. We ask that you wash us with the water of your word. Refresh our hearts again and satisfy us with bread from heaven. Purify our lives and let our walk with you never be the same again. That we all with an unveiled face as we behold us in the mirror of the glory of God are changed into the same image from glory to glory even us by your spirit. Thank you, Father, that we are never the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Hallelujah. We had a wonderful time in our first service. Please try and get the teaching or follow on um, YouTube. I have the man of God here with his wife, um, Mr. and Mrs. Ahaliga here. Uh, today happens to be their one year wedding anniversary. And, and they decided to spend it here. It's good to see you. Thank you so much for coming. We are going to pray with them after we are done. You look good. Hallelujah. Happy anniversary to you. Hallelujah. Marriage is good, eh? <laughs> Hallelujah. So, um, last week I laid a foundation on a very important uh, subject of the Bible. We called it the cost of discipleship. The cost of discipleship. These are teachings that you no longer hear on the pulpit today. 
last week we, we began to teach you that uh, the overwhelmed and overstretched expectation in Christianity is gradually shifting its emphasis. And one of the things that is affecting or afflicting the church today is the overemphasis on getting. And today, the average Christian begins to ask that, what will I get in serving God? While God is asking, what will I get in saving you? It is only those who begin to realize that we don't exist or better put, God doesn't exist only to meet our needs. But rather, we exist to meet his needs. Praise God. Remember when the apostles began following Jesus when they hadn't really understood the cost of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. They, they went to the master and said, Master, we have left uh, our wives, we've left fishing to come and follow you. What is, in, in, what, what is in it for us? What will we get? For following you and leaving all these things. Jesus told them that at least no one leaves his father, no one leaves his mother, no one leaves his wives to, to follow me and will not be blessed, of course. But in the end, when you check years later in church history, you realize that these people actually realize that <laughs> it was all about Jesus Christ. And they literally died for their testimony of Christ. Praise God. We explained that there are two realities we need to understand in the New Testament. It places two emphases. The first emphasis is the salvation of Christ. The second emphasis is the what? The Lordship of Christ. If you want to grow as a Christian or if you want to understand what it truly means to be a Christian, we need to understand the two. The salvation of Jesus Christ and what? The Lordship of Jesus Christ. We explained that salvation came um, by the death of Jesus Christ. The Lordship of Jesus is the reign, the reign of Jesus Christ, the rule of Jesus Christ in our lives. We said that your response to the salvation of Christ is faith. Your response to the Lordship of Christ is obedience. And you know, the word lordship has not been understood. So many say, oh, I've, I've, I've received Jesus Christ as my Lord and personal Savior. Now, when you say someone is your Lord, maybe today I should explain it. I put some few notes down that will help you. The word Lord is from the Greek word kurios. Kurios. Now, kurios is K-U-R-I-O-S. Kurios. Now, that word kurios means supreme in authority. It means supreme in authority. It also means controller. 
Now, the second point is, is, is very serious. When you check the Greek, it put four words together. Four strong words together for the word kurios, which is Lord. Are you ready for it? It means God, Lord, Master, say. God, Lord, Master, say. He didn't separate it. He used it as one. God, Lord, Master, and say. All together. So when you are saying that Jesus Christ is your Lord, you are saying he is my God, my Lord, my Master, and my say. Say. Now the word Lord also means he to whom a person or a thing belongs. He to whom a person or a thing belongs. So when you say Jesus is your Lord, you are saying that you belong to him. So let me continue that. He to whom a person or a thing belongs about which he has power of deciding. About which he has what? Power of deciding. If something belongs to me, I have power to decide how that thing should be used. If you belong to Jesus, Jesus has power to decide what you should do. The word Lord also means an emperor. An emperor. It's a title of honor. Expressive of respect and reverence. It's a title of honor. Expressive of respect and reverence. With which servants greet their master. So please don't forget that Jesus Christ is your big brother yet ultimately he is your Lord. Are we following this? So we began to explain some few realities we saw that in the Old Testament when Moses went to uh, Pharaoh, he made a statement. He says, let my people go that they may serve me. And, you see, and that is what Christianity is about. Let my people go is salvation, freedom. That they may serve me is Christian service. Christian responsibility. So many just want the salvation bit of Christianity, but they don't want the service bit of Christianity. So when it comes to the place where they have to lay down their lives, it comes to a place where they got to sacrifice, then they start to withdraw. And trust me, if you are a God who saves people who don't care about you, there is pain involved. And we have many Christians today who have accepted Jesus as Savior, but when it comes to his Lordship reign over their lives, then they don't want him to reign. And if Jesus Christ is not lording over, over your life, that means he doesn't even deserve to be your savior in the first place. So remember, Israel was under captivity in Egypt under Pharaoh's reign. 
when God brought them out, he brought them out to be their new king. And they were supposed to worship him. But what is happening that in the New Testament, Pharaoh represents Satan. Egypt represents the kingdom of darkness. The promised land represents the kingdom of God. And the wilderness signifies the spiritual disciplines we go through to be prepared. Are you following that? So what it means is that when we are brought out of Egypt, it means we are brought out from the kingdom of darkness and under Satan's rule. But listen, we come out from Satan's rule to enter into God's rule. So if Jesus has no say over your life, there is a problem in your faith. I'm teaching good here. Now, this is a very striking statement I'm going to make to you. Maybe you can ponder over it when you go home. Are you ready? If Jesus is not your Lord, someone else is. If Jesus is not your Lord, I'm not speaking of the one you confess to. I'm talking of practical. If Jesus is not your Lord, someone else is. And whoever is your Lord rules you. Are we following this? So, it is not that if you are not making Jesus Christ your Lord, you're on your own. No. Once Jesus is not lording over you, someone else is. Are you following what I'm teaching you? And you, need, you, need, you need to be very careful who is ruling your life. Who is calling the shot in your life? Who you are submitting to. And, and maybe let me give you this verse in Romans chapter 6, verse 16. This is a serious reality we need to understand as Christians. And I don't know why the Holy Spirit keeps emphasizing on some of these things to, to draw the attention of the believer to something. Now look, he says, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourself servants to, to obey, his servants he ye are to whom ye obey whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Now give that to me in NLT. I wish that I had the um, passion translation here because that one really helped me a lot. He says, don't you realize that you become a slave of whatever you choose to obey. You can be a slave to sin which leads to death or you can choose to what? Obey God, which leads to righteous living. So what the Bible is telling us that whoever you choose to obey, that person becomes what? Your Lord. If you obey Mammon, Mammon becomes your Lord. If you obey sin, sin becomes your Lord. And it will rule over your life. So listen to me. If your life is not pleasing to Jesus Christ, check what is ruling you. 
what is ruling you check the things you think about the things you do how you reason through life you will know who is in charge of your life am I helping someone today now so back to today's message we said that there is a cause for following Jesus we haven't been educated about this and it's high time every believer should count the cost tell someone beside you count the cost for following Jesus you know that Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, Abednego counted the cost They were supposed to bow or die. You know their answer. He says, O king. We are not careful to answer you in this matter. You go and check what the Bible says. It says, We are not careful to answer you concerning this matter. We won't bow. Now that was facing them. These are people who counted the cost of following Jesus. In other words, listen, listen to me carefully. It is not safe to serve Jesus, but it is satisfying. Let me put it this way: Jesus is not safe, but he's satisfying. You know, we are living in a country where there's so much peace. That's why you are saying the things you are saying today. If you are living in a Bukom Haram territory, you will know that Jesus is not safe. They keep killing Christians, bombing churches. If you are understanding that, if you are understanding that, if you are walking with Jesus, everything will be fine. When you are in Boko Haram, you'll be disappointed in Jesus. When you are living around that territory, you'll be disappointed. They are living in fear every day. And many Christians don't know that when you serve Jesus Christ, eh, I put something down. I don't know if you are ready for it. He didn't promise that he will always deliver you but he promised he will always be with you go and check your bible there is no promise that he will always deliver you but there's a promise that lo I am with you always so listen to me when you read Isaiah chapter 43 the verse 2 you're going to see a very striking verse there so that in case you're going through something you don't say Jesus where are you you have disappointed me you have broken my heart be careful Look, Isaiah 43, the verse 2. Now watch that. Can we read together? One, two, go. You are not here with me. One, two, go. Can you see that? So Jesus never said that you will never enter the water in the first place. He never said that you never go through the fire. So listen, Jesus does not promise he will always deliver you. But he promises what? He will always be with you. So listen, this is part of counting the cost for being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Because things will always not go your way. As far as his purposes for your life is concerned. Please, am I helping someone today? Now, look at the book of Luke chapter 14. Let's go into today's message. 
the verse 28 to the verse 32. Luke chapter 14. We don't read this portion of scriptures because we think it's not part of the Bible. The verse 28, are you here with me? All right, now look at that. He says that, For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first, and counted the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish, less happily after he had laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him. All that behold it begin to mock him. Saying this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going to make war against another king seated not down first and consulted whether he be able with 10,000 to meet him that coming against him with 20,000 or else while the other is yet a great way off he sended an um, ambassage and desired conditions of peace now what this verse is teaching us is that God is saying that count the cost before you start anything so if you're an army commander, you're going for battle, you must count the cost of the battle. How many are my enemies? If you know how many your enemies are, if there are 10,000, you know you need at least not less than 10,000 to fight. Just because you're an army commander, you are going to fight 10,000 people and you have 1,000 people, just because you know how to fight, you want to fight, you will die. That's what the Bible is teaching us. So, for example, you're going to build a house. You, 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 you know your capacity. Your salary is just about 2,500 Ghana cities. You want to build a mansion. And you want to add that is by faith. Beloved, faith is not foolishness. Oh. No. So, let's assume you're starting life as a young man. You're building a house. You want to build a, a six-bedroom house. You don't count the cost. It may take you 25 years to finish it. Am I teaching good? But that's just by the way. So you start from somewhere. Are you following what I'm saying? So the Bible is teaching us to count the cost. Tell someone count the cost. And this time, what we need to understand here is to count the cost for following Jesus. So that you're not shocked. Because if you don't count the cost, Jesus will shock you. <laughs> Jesus will shock you. Because today, there are people who are serving God with, with a certain mentality that when you serve God, within two years, he's supposed to bless you. When you fast and pray, within the fasting, there must be a miracle. The moment you pray, answers must come. Go and check your Bible. There's something called persistence. Persistence. You have to pray over the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over before you see an answer. It's in the Bible. There's one saint who prayed for 22 years for the salvation of his best friend. Can you? Ubanye. 
So listen to me. You must count the cost for following Jesus. If not, you'll be surprised at so many things. And today, many Christians have been overwhelmed because they were not expecting that. Ah, why are things going this way? If, if God has said in his word that he's going, to, he's going to give me provisions. If I give God my lifetime, he will take care of me. He will never, never let me down. I will give God my lifetime. Let's sing it together, my lifetime. My lifetime. I will give God my lifetime. My lifetime. I will give God my lifetime. If I give God my lifetime, He will take care of me. He will never, never let me down. I will give God my lifetime. Oh, that's a good song. Can I shock you? There are times you give God your lifetime and He will let you down. Oh, you have not gotten to a place where there was a relative you prayed for for the person to live and the person died. You don't get this thing. You prayed to God for a job. It's been 10 years now. And you see, many of us don't understand the dealings of God. So now, another believer looks at what is happening, happening in another believer's life and he's comparing what God is doing in the person's life and he's saying that, ah, if this is what God is doing to you, why is he not doing the same to, thing to me? Meanwhile, we've forgotten that God deals with all of us differently. Maybe the person you see God is blessing maybe with certain material things, God has tested him. He has gone through the process you are now beginning. Maybe the person who seems to be having certain money is not even sowing any seed for. God designed him to be a kingdom financier so he keeps blessing him even if he doesn't pray. And you are comparing to him. Am I teaching good here? So listen to me. God's dealings here, eh? if we don't work with him well, if we don't count the cost, don't have too many expectations. But focus on building a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what matters. Tell someone, count the cost. This afternoon, I'll shock you. The version of Christianity we are hearing will produce atheists in some few years to come if we don't take it. Because we'll soon hear people who are saying, I'm not going to church again because Jesus has disappointed me. I trusted him for a miracle. He never did it. If he's truly all-powerful, why didn't he show his power when I needed him? I don't need God again. I won't go to church again. It is the messages we are preaching that is producing the people who are becoming Christians today. Because we teach them that when you follow Jesus Christ, everything will be fine. Beloved, if you follow Jesus Christ, it's not always everything will be fine. Israel every time. Israel came out of Egypt. And God promised them promised land. 
distance between Egypt and the promised land was only 11 days. But God had an agenda. Go and read your Bible. God says God did not take them through the way of the Philistines so that when there is war, their heart will break and they'll come back to Egypt. So God wanted to confuse their route so that it would be very difficult to locate Egypt and come back. So what he did is that he made them cross through the Red Sea and covered it so you can't swim back. Are you getting it? Because the time came, Israel said, we remember the cucumber. The salad we were eating. That means for them to remember the food, they are telling God that Egypt. That means some of them would have packed their things to do stowaway and go back. So God in his wisdom took them to a place that they will never be able to locate Egypt again. And God took them through the wilderness. The wilderness, there is nothing there in the wilderness. There's only sand and the sun. It will burn you. To teach them endurance. So what God did was that. The first thing he did was to change their location. Their location. So now they were no longer in Egypt. They had changed location. Now God began to change their diet. Because they were eating from Egypt. Egypt, all the food from Egypt came from the earth. The lettuce, the cucumber, they all came from the earth. Now God began to give them mother. It came from heaven. God is telling us that the first thing he does when he gets us born again, he changes our spiritual environment, our location. We are now in the kingdom of God. Number two, he changes our diet so that we change from earthly mindedness to heavenly mindedness. That's the manner. So now we feed from above. We don't feed from beneath. So in Colossians 3, 1 to 3, he says, set your affection, set your minds on things above and not things on the earth. God changed their worship because they were used to idol worship. That's why when Moses climbed up, they served another God. So God had to give them a temple. They were slaves to Egyptians, so they knew how to serve. So God had to give them laws. So the obedience will be to Him only. They were in the wilderness for 40 years before they learned to trust God. And all this was a process. I'm sure the people will be like, so if we knew you were going to, you're going to keep us for 40 years, why did you save us? It was part of God's plan. So listen, God's delays are not his denials. And that's what many Christians don't know about this Christian faith. So things will not always go well for you as you intended as a Christian. It doesn't mean God has failed. It doesn't also mean that you have failed. Because sometimes people feel, okay, what is wrong with me? What is, nothing is wrong with you. Look at Luke chapter 9, verse 59. Luke 9, 59 to 62. Luke 9, 59 to 62. Are you there? He said, and he said unto another, follow me. And he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, let the dead bury the dead. This is very offensive. What did he say? My father is dead. The one who took care of me. Jesus, what do you mean? Let the dead bury the dead. What a cheeky answer. But thou go and preach the kingdom. 
Me papa will see me go preach kingdom. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go and bid them farewell. Me go come back by keke. Babayo. Which are at home in my house. Jesus said unto him, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back. He called Babai looking back. It's fit for the kingdom of God. It's high time I let you know that the standards are high when you are serving Jesus. So that casual Christian life you are living, you won't see much happen in your life. Now, now, No. Hmm. Let's go into today's message. The cost of discipleship. Are you ready? Yes, sir. Uh, you don't look like you're ready. Are you sure you're ready? Yes, if I see that you're not ready, I'll just reduce the content and give it to you. My diluting it says, and I learned that diluting a communion on Friday. Yes, much of what diluting is a communion in your day. Shall we proceed? Let's proceed. Is she is Linda around? Okay. Maka, maka. <laughs> you don't dilute Christ like that. Number one. We are looking at the cost of discipleship. Number one. Hmm. Are you sure you are ready? It's very offensive. Because me myself, I had to take time because Jesus offended me by the things he said. So I was offended. So I had to recover before I'm preaching to you. Are you sure? Alright, so number one. The cost of discipleship. Number one is that you have to put Jesus in the number one place of your life. That's the first cost of following Jesus. You know what that means? You can't love anyone or anything above him. That's the first cost of following Jesus. <laughs> Luke 14, the verse 25 to 27. Don't hear me warn you. Let's continue. Luke 14, what? 25. Yanko. And there went great multitudes with him. And he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me, and what? Hate not his father. I wish Jesus didn't say that. And mother and wife and children and brethren and sistren yeah his own life he cannot be my disciple yeah, 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 I love that word he says, that's very offensive that's why I said today's message is not good when I read it I, me myself I was offended I had to recover 
He says, anyone who does not hate. Now, mind you, the word hate is not hatred that you think. The word hate means to love less. That's a Greek meaning. It first means to what? Love less. I'm going to explain why he used the word hatred. Okay, so don't use modern English to understand it. So he's saying, if any man come to me and hate not his father. Now, these are very high level relationships he just mentioned here. Your father, your mother, your children, your brothers, your sisters, and he added your own life. He said that you cannot be his disciple. Now, this is the first cost of discipleship. Look at verse 27. And whosoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. So now, first, you need to understand that not all Christians are disciples. That's the first thing you need to understand about discipleship. Not all Christians are disciples. Because there is a cost you must count. And there's a price you must pay to become a disciple. Remember, all you need to do to be a Christian is to hear the gospel preached. You believe and you are born again. What it takes to be a disciple is not faith. Please, am I helping you? There's no fun you. So the first cost you count is putting Jesus in the number one place of your life. Now, let me explain what it means by if any man came up to me and hates not his father. What he's saying is that your love for Jesus must be so high that it looks like hatred for them and yourself. I repeat myself again. What Jesus is saying by here is that your love for him must be so high that your brothers, your sisters, your friends, and even your own self begin to look at it as hatred. That's the only way you can describe it. In other words, you spend so much time with Jesus that they can ask you, so why? And we are also here now. Why don't you love us again? That's how they must interpret it. you make him number one that's why we said what we said anything that you are loving currently above Jesus is disqualifying you check your heart now Look at the next verse. Today is not a comfortable service at all. Matthew 10, 37. Matthew 10, 37. Are you there? Matthew 10, 37. I read. He says, he that loveth father or mother. Do you see how Matthew puts it? He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. 
Number 30, the verse 38. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. Mm. So he's saying that if your love for your father, your love for your mother, your love for your wife, your love for your sisters, your love for your brothers, even your love for yourself, if it goes beyond the border of that love which you have for Jesus Christ, he's saying that you are not worthy to be called his disciple. In case you're offended with me, I'm just showing you what the Bible said. So direct your offense to the Bible. Because I wish it was not written. It's there. You see, Many are blaming God too quickly. Many are questioning God too quickly. I'm telling you. Because when we understand what Christianity really is, eh, we will know that it is expensive to be one. We will know that it is expensive to be one. Can we proceed? You can put this down. What this verse is trying to say is that the will of Jesus, the desire of Jesus, the command of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus, devotion to Jesus must be first and everything else must be second. The will of Jesus, the desire of Jesus, the commands of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus and devotion to Jesus must be first and everything else second. So, we, get, we, we, we got to understand this. Those who truly have an encounter with Christ eh, are those who fix their tent here. So listen, if you're not experiencing real glory in Christianity, it's because of this verse I just quoted to you. Can I shock you? The love of God must be understood in three lights. You know, I, I teach a lot of balance. Because if we don't get balance, we will take only one aspect of the revelation of God and think that that is all God's revelation is. The love of God is in three lights. Number one is God's love for the world. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now, that's God's love for everybody. Are you getting that? Number two, or the second light of God's love is God's love for the church. We see that in the book of Ephesians, from the verse, uh, from the verse 20, uh, 16 to the verse 30. He told us that God loved the church and gave himself for it. That means there is a certain kind of love that God has for the church he doesn't have for the world. Because it is God's love for the world that saves them. And that is all. If 
God's love for the church is the same as the world. Why is the world not speaking in tongues? Are you getting what I'm saying? Why is the world not seated with Christ? Why is the world not the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? That means there is an enjoyment package founded only for those who are in Christ. Why is the Holy Ghost not living in the world? But in a born again Christian. So God's love for the world is not the same as God's love for the church. Please, are you following this thing? So listen to me. The first light of God's love is God's love for the world. The second light is God's love for the church. Now the third light of God's love is God's love for those who love him. And that's where we have a problem. People don't want us to talk about it. But I'll talk about it. Look at the book of John chapter 14. I want you to experience your Christian life well. Have the correct experience. Don't just be talking as a Christian when you know nothing. Look at John chapter 14. Um, let's read from the verse 23. John 14, 23. Can we read together? Um, maybe let's read from the verse 21. 21 first. Are you ready? You're going to read as loudly as possible for those who are watching online to hear you, right? One, two, go. <laughs> Hold on. Some years ago, I was reading this verse. I was like, I'm a little confused. But God says he loves us. Why is he saying that? When we love him, he will love us. Um, it took me years to understand what I'm teaching you today. This verse says that he that had my commands and keep them. That means there are many believers who have God's commands and they don't keep them. And he's saying the proof of love is not confession. The proof of love is obedience. Anyone who says he loves someone and does not obey the person doesn't love. So he's saying, He that had my commandments and keep them, he it is that loveth me. And guess what? He says, And he who and he that loveth me shall be loved of my father, and I will love him too. And we what manifest that means God saves everybody that believes Jesus, but God doesn't manifest himself to everybody. Go and check the Greek word for the word manifest. It means to give illumination, to give a revelation of himself. That's why I taught you in the first service that you can know the finished work of Christ and not know the person who finished it. That's a very striking statement. It, meditate on what I just said. You can know the finished work of Christ and not know the person who finished it. I give an example during the all night. I told you that um, right now we know the works of Dr. Kwame Nkrumah of blessed memory, Right? You, when you go to Tamamoto, where you see what he has done, when you go to Atomic, you see what he has done. There are places you go to today, today, you see the finished work, the, the work of Dr. Kwame Nkrumah. But how many of you know him? How many of you know Kwame Nkrumah? Did you know his favorite food? Did you know what he liked and what he didn't like? Did you know his favorite game? Only those who were close to Dr. Kwame Nkrumah can tell us who he was. So today, if you are looking for him, you have to go and find his wife, if his wife is not dead. You have to go and look for his grandson. 
Please, are you getting what I'm saying? So listen to me. You can know someone's work and not know the person. And let me advise you. The purpose of knowing the finished work of Christ is to lead us to know the person who finished it. So that means you can know the work of Christ. There are people who can teach on righteousness by faith, on justification, on redemption, on what Christ has done for us in detail. But when it comes to intimacy, the pressing, his heart beats, they don't know him. A man of God invited me. I went to preach for him somewhere. You know, he, he invited me because he thought I was a grace preacher. Me, I'm, I'm not a grace preacher. I'm a gospel preacher. So as the Lord leads me and I'm teaching grace, I teach grace. As the Lord leads me and I'm teaching love of God, I teach the love of God. As God leads me and I'm teaching spirit life, I'm teaching spirit life. For information, next year, our team for 2023 is the year of spirit life. So, in case you are thinking it's going to be a shock and a surprise to you, I've broken the shock. It's a year of what? Spirit life. We'll get ready for it. So listen to me. So it's one thing to know the work of a man, another to know the man who did the work. So the work of that man is supposed to lead you to know the man who did the work. I can tell you on authority that not only do I know the finished work of Jesus, I know Jesus. Paul was the same person who told us about what Christ has done. Eh? But he was the same person who also said that I might know him. I might know him, not his finished work. I might know him, the person. So he said that he invited this guy to come because he, he felt, he said, ah, the guy was just teaching knowledge, Bible knowledge. But there was no power, there was no spirit and life in what he was preaching. He was not teaching information. When you believe in Jesus, you become a righteous man. God doesn't condemn you anymore. God loves you forever. You are born again. You have eternal security. Yes. He said there was no life. So listen, you can know him from the book and not know him in person. Didn't God know that we are going to have a Bible after some time? Yet why did he say he gave us the Holy Ghost that we might know him? Do you know what that means? The Bible is the revelation of Jesus Christ in physical form. The Holy Ghost is the revelation of Jesus Christ in spirit form. So that means we are supposed to combine them by combining the revelation of God in physical form along with the revelation of God in spirit form so we can have real Christianity. Hmm. Is the thing sinking here now? Listen. If all you know is just what Christ has done, a time may come, you may be empty. You have all the depth and the revelation, but you are still empty. There's something inside you that you are lacking. I know what I'm saying. I've been there before. Times where I, I can give you details, deep stuff, revelation, Christology. Christology. 
Mention the Bible story. I will put Christ out of it for you. But there be days I go back home. I feel I'm just like, hey, what's wrong with me? Then I came to realize that, listen, the purpose of all what Christ did is so that we would know him and not only what he did. And that, that comes by building a certain intimacy. And that's what Jesus Christ is telling us in the book of John. He says he will manifest himself to him. Now look at the next verse, which is the verse 23. He, he had to repeat it again. Now look, he says, And Jesus said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words. And my father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not, keepeth not my sayings, and the word which ye hear is not mine, but the father's which sent me. So listen. There's a special kind of love that God has for those who begin to develop interest and fondability with God. Those who are fond of him. I am telling you, we have to fall in love with Jesus. Oh. Eh? We have to fall in love with him. So the first cause of discipleship is that you must not love anything or anyone above Jesus. I've told my wife several times, that baby, I love you, but I love Jesus more. It's quite painful, but actually it's my love for Jesus that is keeping this marriage. And many don't know that it is, it is when your love for Jesus Christ eh, is more than any kind of love. That's what keeps you safe. Today, I'll be faithful to my wife by the grace of God till Jesus comes. You know why? Because my love for Jesus Christ is so high that I don't want to offend him. I don't want to break his heart. So my wife is enjoying benefits for my love for him. One time I told her, if you, if you allow me to serve God, God will bless you. I told her. Not that I'm praying. Not that I'm dead. Then he says, baby, so you don't care about me. You don't care about me. Come and, come and spend time with me. You don't care about... I love Jesus. If you like, when Jesus comes, ask him. Right now, if Jesus comes, ask him whether Isaac Lapapo loves him or not. He will tell you. You even finish, you tell him. That guy, that guy loves me. I'm telling you. And, and, and people don't get this. I've said to you that, listen, anything that seems to take your love for Jesus Christ, that thing soon can become an idol. And there are modern idols that we have kept. In, in, you see, in... In many years ago, when we say idol worship, it's going to a shrine, servicing a God, pouring down blood, killing, you know. In the New Testament, there is no, there's no modern idol worship. You can worship your phone. You can worship your relationship. You can worship your marriage. You can worship your education. 
I'm telling you. And those things can take the place of Jesus Christ. You can worship a movie. You can worship fashion. There are people who never come to church because they don't have a new dress. You'll be shocked. That's a person who is worshipping uh, worshiping fashion. They won't come to church because their, their makeup set is finished. They won't come to church because they don't have a new fabric to sew a new dress. So they'll stay home. What? What just happened to us? Why didn't you go for church? I didn't go to church because I don't have a new dress. Meanwhile, this person has more than 20 dresses in, his, in, in the wardrobe. You're telling me you don't have a new dress. What a disgrace you are. So, when we are saying, lift up your hand and say, I love you, Jesus, be careful. Be careful. You love him. For the past one week, have you touched your Bible? You love him. For the past one week, have you ever knelt down to pray? You love him. What, what kind of things do you put on your status? You love him. Be careful. Be careful. When you are saying you love him. And you don't do anything that proves it. Because anytime you love some, somebody, there's something you do to prove the love. And mind you, that things don't even money. That is not, it's not money. But there are actions you use to prove to the person, I truly love you. And that thing must be physical. Don't tell me it's in your heart. I love you, but it's in my heart. Only God knows. Run away from that person. I'm teaching good here. So listen to me. Let's not, you see, many of us are playing as Christians. We are serving ourselves. We are worshipping ourselves. We, are, we have become idols of ourselves. We worship ourselves. We love ourselves. We, we want so much comfort that we don't want to taint ourselves. We don't want to dirty ourselves for Jesus. We don't want to get targeted for Jesus. Where your money cannot go, your strength can go. Where your strength cannot go, your time can go. Where your time cannot go, something from you can, it can go to prove that you love him. And this morning, Jesus that is talking to you. It's not me. It's Jesus talking to you. Because many of us are professing love, but we're not expressing that love. And we are playing church. So you're saying that at least I'm going to church on Sunday. Can I tell you something? If you love Jesus and he knows, you can't fake it. Right now, as we, we are here, if you truly love Jesus, as we are listening to this teaching, you will know it. You will know it. And if, you see, if loving Jesus eh, is not the primary concern for any believer, I don't know what and who he has believed. I am telling you, I don't know what or who you have believed if loving Jesus is not the primary concern for you. Jesus is looking for lovers. Do you know what many of us have done to him? We are more prodigal than the prodigal son. You know, we normally quote the story of the prodigal son, but there's a spirit behind that message. The prodigal son came for the inheritance of the father without the father. 
And after he took the inheritance, he went and spent it on himself until he had nothing and decided to come back to the father. There are many many who want the inheritance of God and not God himself. And when they get the inheritance, they squander it on themselves. On themselves. You were believing God for a miracle. He gave you a miracle. Now, by the grace of God, money is in your pocket. It's time to serve God with your money. You are running away. You say you have project. You have to save. Now you know savings. Those times, did you know savings? You see, you see, many of us don't know that sometimes things that God gives to us is a test. He's testing us. He's testing us to see that, oh, can, can this guy pass this test? Can he pass this test? Father, help me to pass every test you break my way. So we are not seeing power. And I'm telling you why we are not seeing power. That's the teaching I'm giving to you. We are not seeing power because no one is a lover of God. Jesus has said in his word, if you love anything else above him, you are not worthy to be called his disciple. If this thing does not hunt you, that means you don't have any concern for God. We thank God for your life. you die and go to heaven. We thank God. You'll be in heaven. But let's all, when, when people are being honored, you are not part of them. When praises is going on in the life of men, you are not part of them. I don't want to be the pastor that will preach that you should love Jesus and me myself, I don't love him. I'm a hypocrite. I don't want to be that pastor that tells you to give and my money is not in it. As long as I stay, I want to be the highest giver in this church and I will be in Jesus' name. So now, people think that now, now when, you, when you're serving Jesus Christ, nothing should go out from you. Just come to church. Now, people think they're even doing God a favor when they come to church. Can you imagine? We are doing God a favor because we come to church on Sunday. When you are tired, you still go for lectures. When you are tired, you still write exams. When you are tired, you still go for work. When you are tired, you say you won't go to church. And you see, let me tell you, people died for this gospel to come to you. For information, we who are in Africa, there are men like David Livingston who left their family. This man came with only... You don't know when they were coming to, to Africa, they came not with luggages, they came with caskets. These are white men, and they knew they would die of malaria before because before they came, they sent people to come and scout the place. What are the things that will kill us? And they told them that malaria is the disease that will kill the white man. So when they were coming, they know they knew they would die of malaria, and they came. And today, the African has gotten Jesus Christ and is now using Jesus. He has gotten Jesus. He comes to church. He's in a hurry to go back home. Someone paid with his blood. Hmm? He paid with his blood. For you to have the gospel. Someone slept in hearts. David Livingston didn't sleep in the house. He slept in hearts. He was beaten by animals. There was one time he was going through the bush. A lion took his left hand. That should have been the end for most of us. He went back, tied the place so the blood doesn't flow. He took a gun, went back to that same forest, went through it to go and preach the gospel to people. When he died, 
the, the, the king of Africa then was so moved that he made them bury his heart in Africa and they took his body back to America. Had it not been all these people, like today you are still an idol worshiper. And today it is expensive to give to Jesus. It's expensive to go for evangelism. It's expensive to put Jesus on your status. Is that, is that a price you can pay for him? You are not even dying. You are not even dying. Look at what you are doing to your life. Please, let's weep. Let's weep that we don't love Jesus. Let's weep that we don't make time for Jesus. And every, everybody has time. We say we don't have time. You watch movies. Don't you? You talk to people you love, don't you? You make time for the things you love. So listen to me. If we are not loving Jesus, let's not fake it. Let's be real to ourselves that we, we, have, we have failed him. Let's be real to ourselves that we have failed Jesus Christ and he's coming soon. He gave us an assignment. He gave us work to do. Question, are you doing the work? And we are serving Jesus for the things we will get from Jesus. Uh, Jesus has delayed my marriage. Jesus has delayed my job. I've been serving him. He has delayed my job. Really? Really? God forgive us preachers for the sin we have committed in the body of Christ. Forgive us. And we are there offended. David Livingston, great man in history, who through their blood the gospel has gotten to us. Now you have a Bible to read. And all you are thinking about is completing school and working to be paid 2,000 Ghana cities. That's all you are thinking about. You think life is about salary. You think life is about marriage. You think life is about having children. You think life is about having car. So many of you, your agenda for coming to church is wrong. Your agenda is that one day you will have a car to drive. One day a good man will marry me. What is wrong with us? Lord, help your church again. Jesus, help your church again. So now there is no tears on our eyes. Nobody feels, nobody feels worse that he has not read his Bible again. Meanwhile, those days, no man who calls himself a Christian can live a day without God. He can't live a day without God. He will keep apologizing, Jesus, I'm sorry. I have not made time for you. You have forgotten that God is a jealous God. He didn't lose his jealousy because of his grace. Go and check your Bible. He's a jealous lover. I read a verse in the book of Exodus. He's, he said his name is God Jealous. That is his name. His name is Jealous. He's not only Jealous. So jealousy is his name. And many of, of you have aroused the jealousy of God with your selfish living. You have aroused the jealousy of God. With the time you make for other things, things that when you die today, you will never be remembered of. Nobody will say this phone belongs to you when you die. Your house, your car, it will mean nothing. You can leave it. Just leave it. It will mean nothing. Your car will mean nothing. Are we aware that your house will mean nothing? I heard of a rich man that died recently. He had houses. He had cars. And I was just like this. I said, God, so, so, it, so if all we do is serving you is to get these things, Things that unbelievers don't even pray to get. 
Then, when the fuel prices are increasing, when the prices of goods are increasing, many Christians will compromise. They will say they don't have money to come to church again. Because in their minds, they can't walk to church again. They can't give their offerings again. They can't stay long with Jesus. They can't. Christians are giving excuses. When Islam is growing, Islam is taking territories. Islam is advancing and the Christian that has the greatest power of all keeps failing. Listen, let's go back home in shame and weep in our closet that Jesus, we are sorry. We are sorry we have demigods. Demigods that we are submitting to without knowing. Will you tell of that season movie if you have not read your Bible? Do you respect him at all? Do you have regard for Jesus? Or do you think Jesus is just some toy we play with? Do you know the name Jesus? Every knee bows to that name. That Jesus you say you are serving. Satan is afraid of that name. And you have taken him for granted. Father, have mercy upon us. Your church is growing cold and we don't know that we are growing cold. We are proud about our coldness. And we are telling Jesus, Jesus, you know you should understand. You are supposed to understand us. You are supposed to understand us. Help your church, Lord. Help your church. So that the economy does not steal our love for Jesus. So that our relationships does not steal our heart for Jesus. So that our education will not steal our love for Jesus. So that our jobs will not take the place of Jesus. You hear me? You don't know that Jesus weeps. When you read the book of Revelation and the things he said to the churches, you realize that many of us have failed Jesus. We have kicked him off our lives. He's not even the center of our home. He's not even the center of our heart. Other things are. And we say we want to move. We want fire. How does he move in a fireless church? That has a form but no force. That is filled with activity, yet there's no life. Those who are serving him don't even love him. They don't care about him. They are doing it because they were appointed to do it. We must weep. I know what I'm saying. We have come to a place in these last days. This is exactly where Satan wants us to be. So that there will be no difference between the average unbeliever and the average believer. They will be the same. They will be the same. We will be equally yoked. Now you can't identify a Christian anymore. Because everybody does not even hold their Bibles. It's an embarrassment for an average Christian to carry a Bible. You know why? Because people will be looking at him. They'll say, you are, you are Odi Mama. You are a prophetess. You are a man of God. They'll call you pastor. So because of that, you have hidden your Bible. You have put your Bible on phone. Now you can't even read your Bible at work. You can't read your Bible at work. That's how unbelieving a believer you are. 
Because when you read your Bible at work, people will say you are too spiritual. That's why it is easy for you to sin because you have not you, you have not you have not set boundaries around your life. I remember days when I was at when I was on UPSC campus, formerly IPS. I take my Bible. I have a small Bible. I take it. The moment I get there, when the lecturer is not in, I open my Bible for everybody to know that a Christian is around. This is not a hypocrisy. I'm making Jesus proud. I'm announcing to Jesus because somebody will realize if you are reading the Bible, you must be a Christian. Somebody will remember the name of Jesus. We use our status for funny clips. And so is our perishing. We are cheering Shatawale. We are cheering. We are cheering. We are cheering unbelievers who are on their way to hell. We are saying, go, hey. Then we are shouting. We said, nice performance. Cheering unbelievers into hell. Jesus, help your church. Help your church. We are weak. We are cold. We are powerless. We are loveless. And we care less about the master. We only used Jesus as a means of escaping hell. That's what we use Jesus for. To escape hell. After all, I'm still going to heaven. Help us. Please bow down your head for the next two minutes. If we don't stay broken before the Lord and our hearts are hardened, if we don't stay broken before the Lord and we harden our hearts, we won't see much accomplished. We won't see much accomplished. This message is for a remnant. Those who see their faults, those who realize that they have not done well with Jesus, they are the people the Holy Ghost will touch. Those who realize that they have not loved God the way they should. You are looking for money at least. He's giving you some money. At first there were things you couldn't buy. Now you can buy a shirt. And you have forgotten about him. Father, please help us love you again and stop giving excuses to love you again to love you again to love you again to love you again Falling in love with Jesus. If you love your father, your mother, your brethren, your sisters, your brothers, your wife, even your own life more than Jesus, he said you are not worthy to be called his disciple. I just want you to meditate on that. 
Is that high a price to pay? To love Jesus above everything? Is that price too high? This is the one that gave you his life. This is the one that gave you himself. His blood was shed. He was wounded for transgressions. Bruised for iniquities. The chastisement, the dead dealing blow that brought us peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. This is the one that many have taken for granted. There are some of you you need to apologize to him for your coldness living. For your godless living. You need to apologize to him that Jesus, I am sorry for putting other things in your place. I am sorry. He deserves an apology for the way we have treated him. Some of you, you got to renew your relationship with him again. True wisdom is falling in love with Jesus again and again and again. I don't care what you think you know. It's simple. Whatever you think you know in this life, if you are not falling in love with Jesus over and over and over again, you are not wise. That's what Bible teaches me. And I'm bold to tell you. I'm not afraid to tell you. If you will go broken before the Lord and acknowledge our fault and not become proud in our hearts that what is this preacher saying? We will have an encounter with Jesus. We will have an encounter with Jesus. We will have an encounter with Jesus.